Hello, welcome. Thank you for dropping into time in the studio. This is a podcast focus on creativity and plant connections. I am your host, Sarah Marie Miller, and I'm an artist and an herbalist living in Boulder, Colorado. And I'm so excited for this episode today. It is a conversation with Diane Cluck. She is a phenomenal singer songwriter who I got to see perform a little while ago in Boulder, Colorado for a really cool house show. And then she also taught a singing workshop where we all got to sit in a circle and create a song together and also sing some of her songs and some old traditional songs and um, play around with seed sounds. And she was so gracious to spend time for this interview just talking about her connection with Ayurveda, herbalism, and the plants, and tips for touring the country and singing amazing songs to people, how to spellbind a room, and uh, <laughs> how to cook for yourself, and just tend to your soul and to learn about making music and writing songs. She also talks about some song circles that she's in and what that is like. And it was really inspiring. Um, I didn't release an episode last week because I was out of town and my grandmother was really sick and then passed. And so I attended her funeral. And while it was sad, it also was really inspiring just to see the community of people who really adored her and just loved her so much. And she was part of this really cool circle of women. They were all in their 90s or so and just so beautiful and dapper, strong women who attended her funeral. And they would meet once a month and talk about art and poetry and music and they had done this for about 30 years. She had attended their last meeting two weeks before she passed. And they were just a really strong network of friends. And it just really inspired me to see how we have our families, but then we can also create our own families and our own networks of support. And I remember my grandmother through my life would send me postcards and she really fell in love with the work of Matisse and Monet and she also really loved Van Gogh and she would send me these postcards and, you know, write these little poems throughout her life. And I just, yeah, I just love my grandmother. And in this episode, um, Diane also talks a little bit about grandmother medicine and um, just the wisdom of her grandmother looking down on her. And she wrote a really cool song called Grandma Says. Uh, you should definitely check out her work. She has a great website, dianeclock.com. You can check her out on Instagram. And you can also listen to her work on Spotify, which is on constant replay for me. I just love her work. It's really such beautiful songwriting. There's a really cool description of her work in, um, in the Village Voice. They talked about her. And they said, quote, she is likely one of the most refined and elegant songwriters in all of neo-folkdom, a brilliant idiosyncratic guitarist, a witty and wise lyricist, an imaginative melody writer with a powerful voice. Her dark and introspective tunes are utterly captivating. Watch her spellbind the room, unquote, the village voice. 
And I got to see this firsthand during her performance in Boulder, where it was just, she really does just help you drop into this place of truth. And it's just this potent spell that she casts upon a room. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for listening and enjoy our conversation. And also, please remember to vote. Now is the time. We are, this is one of the most important elections and will determine many things for years to come. So please, 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 please remember to vote. I thank you. Okay, without further ado, Diane Clock. I am so honored and delighted to have on the show this week, Diane Cluck. She is an amazing musician. Her songs that are just incredibly enchanting and mysterious, and they just evoke something old and new at the same time. And so, oh, Diane, thank you so much for making time to be here. Thanks, Sarah Marie. I appreciate the invite. <laughs> So I was really lucky to be able to attend a concert that you performed in Boulder recently, and then you also did a singing workshop, and i just love to hear, yeah, I don't even know where to begin, I guess just to hear more about your background in music and where you got started. Well, I think for me, it's been a process of always having music inside and then just finding ways of bringing it out. I did start um, playing classical piano when I was seven. Oh. I have a cold today. Oh, <laughs> I'm sniffling sorry. a bit. No. Uh, I have a yeah. I took um, I took piano lessons starting when I was seven. But before that, uh, there was a piano in our kindergarten class, and I really enjoyed playing that. And also, I had a friend who had a, a toy piano. It wasn't quite full size, but it was the first piano I'd ever seen, and I was really enchanted by it. I was looking at this thing, like, what is this? And I, I fell in love with it. So for a while, I played piano just on my own. And then after a couple of years, my parents could see I was serious about it. So they got a, a used um, little spinet for our house, and I started taking lessons, which I took for quite a long time. Mm. And I think that the things that were helpful about that was um, I can I can be sort of someone who splits my interest in many different things. And mm. having a regular lesson gave me some of the discipline to practice, which I don't think I would have had on my own. Mm. But it didn't necessarily, in some ways, help me facilitate a connection to music inside. It was more studying how to play compositions that were already written, that there was no improvisation, there was no composition in what I had growing up. And I think that just wasn't understood that that was a possibility. Right. And taking piano lessons like in a little suburb in Pennsylvania where I grew up. So uh, I still have these, like, I just always had music in my head. I always liked to sing. I used to hum in class without knowing that I was doing it. I liked to, um, I sang in church. I was like mm-hmm. a counter for Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And I was in musicals and things like that. But it wasn't until, oh, I wrote poetry through high school. It wasn't really until I exited all of my formal schooling that music started to kind of tap on me and be like, there's something we want, you know, we want you to be making your own music. And I, mm. it took me a while to get my, find my way to that. I could see that. I 
took piano lessons as a kid too and I was never very disciplined I wish that I had been but I um yeah so I can relate to that a little bit just in that you know they set the music in front of you and it's like this is what you're supposed to play and it's like well what about you know why can't we just make something up and so yeah there is something really exciting about that shift and that transition into making your own work in the workshop that I got to attend we all got to make a song together which was so beautiful and empowering and it was just you made it so simple like I just love the idea of having each person write a word on a piece of paper and throw it in the middle and then pick up that paper and make a song from those words like how did you have any teachers that kind of helped you find your way or was it really just more self-led I haven't had songwriting teachers, but I was really immersed in an incredible scene in New York that I came upon when I was living there. It was at the end of my street that I was living on 6th Street. Uh, it was an open mic, and um, probably, I don't know, I just felt like it was the best open mic in the world. Mm. Everybody was playing original songs, and mm. it started at 7 or 7.30, and it would go to like 2.30 in the morning, because there would be about 60 people there mm. every week, and it was a huge social scene. A total baptism in songwriting, which I had never done before, and so many people that were self-taught, each approaching the guitar in their own way and singing in their own way, most of them without formal training or with just maybe training on some instrument, but then, you know, teaching themselves piano or guitar or something like this. So it really was very freeing to see the variation in styles and to just be part of an environment where that was the... uh, the culture and the social currency was writing songs and there was no wrong way to do it. So uh, I actually feel pretty grateful that I didn't study mm-hmm. at that point. Um, something I'm finding is that for me, study works really well once a person has had the door opened for themselves or they found some way to just open up to their creativity and explore mm-hmm. as much as they can. And then maybe you get to a point where you think, gosh, I'd like to learn more about this, or I need some help getting past this kind of thing. And to me, that's kind of where teaching or sharing um, skills can be really helpful. Mm. Wow, that is so cool. And I can totally see how that is true, too, just to allow people to tune into their own intuition and curiosity, and then, yeah, get the skills from other people that are needed but to be able to listen to their own kind of souls first it's amazing. yeah I think more more so than even considering myself someone who could teach music and I, I guess I do some of that but underneath that the thing that's most important to me is to foster con- a person's connection or confidence in their own connection with their own abilities because I just see that we all have that that we come in with that mm. and some of uh, the process of schooling or just um, cultural, societal shaming or judgment uh, kind of can distance some of us from that. It's a very tender thing, mm-hmm. but it's also very strong. So as easily as some of us can get separated from that, I think that it never totally goes away. And for, like for myself, being in the environment in New York that I encountered, it really came back so strongly when I mm-hmm. saw, um, like when I was saw what permission to to let that thrive look like. Are there any, like, 
logistical ways you try to do that in your teaching? Like, I've been sort of a self-study person for so long. And mm-hmm. some of what you were saying about herbalism, I think the wise women from the herbalist communities that I've been part of, um, their ways of teaching are so respectful and, and less hierarchical. I think mm-hmm. that has really resonated with me. So mm-hmm. sort of like earth-based teachings. Um, and then just uh, prioritizing soul and connection over gathered knowledge, which is maybe something, it's like a mental process uh, or maybe sometimes a privileged process. And Mm -hmm. it's very useful in some ways. But I think um, the thing that we all have access to that's the level playing field is is the internal landscape and inner knowing. So um, I guess Ayurveda has helped me and Mm. herbalism and uh, just different spiritual paths that I've spent some time sitting with or even just meditation mm-hmm. very simple meditation not um, guided or from a particular lineage just sometimes you know going into nature and I I like to go some people like to go hiking and friends will say do you want to go hiking but I get kind of bummed out when we're logging all these miles through the forest or like walking past everything I sort of go into the woods and just sit <laughs> and that's always been a great place the songs are just like everywhere in the woods that is so cool yeah I could really I mean I feel that so deeply in your music like it just feels like the trees are singing through you or the plants are singing through you somehow and especially yeah bone bone set was just like oh my god that album is just like so breathtakingly incredible do you thank you you're welcome. Do you do a lot of, like, do you record yourself while you're sitting in nature or write your words, or how do you kind of capture those moments? I'm in a funny transitional place with those things. Mm-hmm. When I lived in New York for about 12 years and I was writing songs there, I tended to find the nature in New York. So mm-hmm. um, I might, and also just people were the nature. So I do a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing about living there is I could live on the same block for years. And still see totally different people when I stepped out my door every every day. Mm-hmm. And also people didn't necessarily pay so much attention to each other individually. Like you could walk down the street singing to yourself and it really could go unnoticed. So mm-hmm. it was a great place to kind of have a walking, I didn't call it a walking meditation, but I just walk through city streets or get on a bus and go to a neighborhood I'd never been to mm-hmm. and just let the stream of unexpected sights uh, filter through. And I have a notebook, and at the time, I would call my voicemail from payphones, <laughs> and that's how I would record things. Oh my um, God. I had I went through things like mini cassettes and uh-huh. and all that sort of thing. And then when I got a phone, I'm sort of in the period now where I have a phone that's full of voice memos, which I hear I hear is really really common mm-hmm. <laughs> with songwriters. I've gotten better at trying to label the idea a little bit, so it's not just like voice memo voice memo number two hundred and thirty four, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I think the process I'm in now is learning how to organize ideas because um, I can get really excited about an idea and then there's the follow through or the finding the idea. Where did I put it? Did I put it in, the, in writing? Uh, my handwriting is getting worse as I've been doing more typing over the past you know, 15 years. It's like I sometimes my handwriting is just too slow. It's, so it's like a transitional period now where I go into the woods. I don't necessarily want to bring a phone. 
Right. doesn't really feel compatible in some ways. Even if I turn it into airplane mode and just use it as a recording device, there's something about it as a presence that I don't feel great about. So mm. I'll usually try to bring um, just a notebook and then try to remember a melody mm. if it comes. Um, just try to sing it, repeat it enough that it gets into my brain. It's also common with songwriters that you do that and you think you're going to remember it. And if you don't record it, it goes away. Mm-hmm. But then I find like it'll pop up maybe a few days later when I'm not trying to recall it. So mm-hmm. melodies are kind of slippery that way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like song, ca- song, I always call it song catching. It's kind of like catching a butterfly. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to sneak up on it and be really <laughs> delicate and, and deliberate too. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. I love hearing about your process of that. That's so cool. And yeah, I can hear that in your songs it just it feels like you've caught this moment and it it has like this this impromptu quality to it like the grandma I love the grandma says song that song is just like so sweet and slippery you know like it just has this really amazing quality to it that just yeah I don't even I'm like how did that how did you make that song Well, if you if you think about the lyrics to that one, it's exactly what I was doing. I was um, at home. I, you know, I think really I have this 21st century brain that so many of us are dealing with, where it's like multitasking, which isn't that effective, and mm-hmm. doing all the really mundane laundry, cooking, grocery shopping, and then also all this online stuff and things for my art, things for my life. And sometimes I can sort of look down on myself from above, almost like my grandma was looking at me and just thinking, what are you doing? Mm. (laughs) Pick one of these things and actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was having one of those days where I remember I was like playing the drums a little bit and then there's something burning on the stove. So I'm running over that. And I was like, this is, you know, Diane, you're ridiculous. Look at this. Mm. And I sort of, that line started coming up just from that um, process of trying to, Overmanage too many aspects of life at once. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, that. that's so beautiful. Uh, so, are you a songwriter? Are you um, you know, I, um, entering into writing songs? I I'm am. I'm curious what your curiosity. <laughs> comes from. Yeah, um, I guess I am wanting to write songs. I feel so a couple different things. I'm really wanting. I'm feeling called to start like a song circle like sitting in that circle with you and when you talked about when you have strong singers and people come together and sing together it creates a really strong community and I just was like yes that I don't know why but that just feels true and important and so I have a couple plant sisters that we hang out with and we like tune into the plants and just like talk to them and and we'll sing some old songs but and we'll like you know do some like kind of tuning where you just sing kind of like a vowel and or toning and just kind of let everyone else chime in and start and stop as they want but it just feels so good to sing with other people and so that's a curiosity of mine to start a song circle and then I've been in a couple bands over the years and written some songs and sometimes I'll play the violin or the bass guitar or the guitar and I'm not good at any of those things but I just love 
meeting up with people once a week and making noise and seeing what happens and what unfolds in that time and trying to remember what we did the week before. And so, yeah, I'm just, I just love hearing more about songwriting because it's something I feel called to do, but I don't feel skilled in doing. And I think that's something that is so compelling about your message is that you don't have to be good at it. Just do it anyway. That's how you get good at it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I, I really, um, something that really took me early on was the whole rhythmic thing of words and how when we have a rhythm to speaking, if you can put some of that into singing, the Mm. words sort of float, um, above the melody and they there's some ways of singing that I think are more attached to the music so you might just hear the music and you might not actually catch the words mm-hmm. and I think with some traditional old, older songs there's a way of, that the rhythm is very um, much the same mm-hmm. in each line and I find that for myself my brain almost switches off a little bit when that happens like I just fall into the rhythm of the music and I'm not hearing the words Mm-hmm. And often the words are maybe emphasized in a way that's not the way we would speak them. Mm-hmm. But something I love about rap music is that uh, they're always really playful with the phrasing and the flow of the words. Mm-hmm. And when I started songwriting, I realized that I didn't want to have in each line, but I wanted to have variations on that. So I had a little basketball and I used to walk around the block and just sort of like bounce the ball while I would try the lyrics over this steady rhythm in different ways. And it was like a rudimentary skill at first. And it wasn't, it wasn't like super easy at first. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like an idea more than something I was really good at, but it was so important to me that it's something I practiced more and more. And then it became like really a big part of how I like to sing. Because I think, you know, a big part of the music I make is words and is ideas and so to make those ideas as translatable as possible, they have to they have to be able to be heard. And mm-hmm. I think from talking to people, about half the people in the world will hear music first and half will hear lyrics first. I have plenty mm-hmm. of friends who have favorite songs. They don't know the words to those songs. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, like, well, what's, why is it your favorite song? And they just have a feeling from it, or maybe it's the way the guitar sounds or the key that it's in. It just has a feeling for them. And the words aren't that important. Mm-hmm. But my my music's pretty simple and um, in terms of instrumentation, so a lot is, is about the words and ideas. So I found a way to uh, make sure that's highlighted through the musical process. Mm-hmm. Kind of coming back around to what I was saying there, you're saying um, it's something you don't feel like you're good at yet, but you're interested in. Mm-hmm. I've kind of come back to the idea, and I think brought this up in the workshop, of ditties. And I love mm-hmm. that phrase. It's like a tiny song, a simple song, mm-hmm. maybe something you just sing while you're washing the dishes or uh, something you'd sing to a kid, or it's just like a little five line thing mm-hmm. that's easy to remember and has like one very simple idea. And I think that plant songs function really well that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the plants are really deep, but they're also really playful. So I don't think there's a wrong way to write a plant song. Just sort of like <laughs> if you sit with a plant, you can observe some things about it, have a little conversation about it. You might be surprised at how easily you can make a song for a plant or with a plant. Oh, okay. I'm going to try that. That's awesome. Thank you for that inspiration. And, you know, something just like, what's, what's like a little common song? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Mary had a little lamb or something. Mm-hmm. Just a, like a short song. 
complete. Mm-hmm. And it's just a song of appreciation. Um, they, they can be pretty simple. And I think mm-hmm. also these days, we, as our attention spans have gotten drawn in so many different places, we also really see that people really value simplicity mm-hmm. and just bringing things back to kind of the basics. So if we're just, we could just start writing nursery rhymes. <laughs> 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 I love that. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> such a good idea. I feel like with... I mean, you can make them, you can develop mm-hmm. them from there. But mm-hmm. if you start with something simple like that, and you have it in a song circle, you can repeat it. You can add harmonies. Right. You can write more verses later. I love that. I was curious. Yeah, do you have like a song circle that you meet with regularly? semi-regularly because uh-huh. I've been traveling. Um, right. right now in Charlottesville, I'm actually teaching a class. It's uh, every Sunday for an hour and a half. And we do some collaborative songwriting and some of the singing things that we had in the workshop in Boulder. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's a group of us here in town who work as touring musicians and teachers, and we try to have like bi-monthly potlucks with everybody's home at the same time. We try to c- get together and have like a little uh, prompt, like a writing prompt. Whoever's hosting will suggest something to write about, and then we'll just, you know, write a little something. Ooh. Sometimes the day of to share at the potluck, but we'll also share things that we're working on and just uh, aspects of the songwriting process with each other too. So that's a good group. Nothing mm-hmm. super regular aside mm-hmm. from that, but uh, I agree that it would be nice to have something like that. Yeah, I mean both of those groups seem amazing it sounds like really just a powerful way to connect with other people and and playful too just fun to make noise together and see what happens yeah a little bit about your experience with plants I mean I I love that you have a rosemary salve that you were selling at your merch table I love a merch table and your merch table in Boulder was just so beautiful it was like these gorgeous prints that you had made and then a rosemary salve and I was like oh my god she makes herbal goodies and so I was curious kind of how you got into that to begin with I had mono in college when I was 20 and I was really sick and I remember being in a bookstore in my hometown when I was I guess on break or something and I walked into this bookstore and there was in the center display there is a book called The Self-Healing Cookbook by Christina Turner, which is an amazing book. Mm. And it's and it's been reprinted many times. Um, that, that, that concept was totally foreign to me. But actually, I remembered I had, um, some years before that as a teenager, some ladies had been passing around this book at the beach. It was Gilda Radner's autobiography. And she had a cancer. And she uh, had this sort of late effort in getting into macrobiotics, but I remember reading about these foods that she was eating. They were like green smoothies and stuff that had seaweed, and it was just so fantastic sounding. I really was curious about it. I didn't grow up with any food like that. Mm-hmm. And I was also kind of a picky eater growing up, and I, I've realized as an adult that some of the things I was eating when I was a kid just weren't, um, they weren't appealing to me, and they also were kind of not supporting me. Right. <laughs> So I had some allergies and some health issues by the time I was in college, and uh, something was just open to an alternative path. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I mean, this book, I really felt like that book was placed there 
it, I really encountered it at just the right time in my life. Mm. So I bought that book and I started getting out some books on macrobiotics from Michio Cushy from the uh, library. Mm. And then I started cooking macrobiotically in our, in our dorm kitchen mm. in college and just like really got it. I felt like it was reconnecting me with a part of myself. I mean, as a kid, we had like this witch cave. We would make charms out of maple leaves and mud and oh, just like cool. keep out the werewolves and all that. <laughs> so there was a big part of me that was into that as a kid. Okay. And this way of food that was more basic and more um, hands-on, mm-hmm. less processed, just really called to me. So I got yeah. so into cooking, cooking from scratch, and that led to herbal remedies. And in fact, the self-healing cookbook has a lot of things about eating seasonally. And there's actually some diagrams about if your face looks like this, Mm. Try eating less of this and more of this sort of thing. Mm. You know, if you have, like, puffy eyes or if you have dark circles, like, this might be what's going on with you. All of this was really fascinating to me. So it just kind of led uh, more and more into herbalism, which in some ways was kind of a political path for me as well because I I was really disappointed by um, medical experiences I was having and then also getting out into the world and not having health insurance. Mm. Uh, I felt... Like, it was a way that I could take care of myself or attempt to take care of myself outside of the system that felt um, unaffordable and also not very attentive or very wise in some ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting into that world opened up a whole social world for me of um, just a new way of being a woman in the world and a new way of approaching wisdom, like the wisdom of the body instead of collected knowledge of the brain. Mm-hmm. Susan Weed was a big um, inspiration to me at that mm-hmm. time. I liked her books a lot. Yeah. Uh, she's great with the talking to the plants sort of writing. Yeah. And yeah. I was always kind of like hands-on artsy craftsy too, so making vinegars and tinctures and salve and all that was great. Yeah. Over the past few years, I have let go of that idea of ever being a clinical herbalist, mm-hmm. but I still like to do self-study. And part of the reason I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, where I now live, is there's an amazing teacher here named Kat Meyer who runs Sacred Plant Traditions. Oh. And she's a wonderful teacher who has her foot in Western medicine, like her te- her uh, training started there. But she then she just has this incredible herbal knowledge, so she can really speak to people on all levels. Ooh, I'm really cool. going to go into so many things here and like this, like this one answer. But I love it. Um, no, please do. At the do time it. that I was so reading good. about Ayurveda and reading more Eastern ways of thought, I felt it really changing my brain, and that mm. the way we approach learning in this country is is this sort of like it's a linear process mm-hmm. and in starting to read about Ayurveda it took me a long time to understand what I was reading I had never had mm-hmm. the experience of getting so far into a book and feeling like I just wasn't there but that mm-hmm. I was really committed to, to continuing with it because I felt that the farther I went in it I was reading um, Dr. Robert Svoboda's books mm-hmm. I felt this um I could really feel knowledge starting to come into me like a cloud rather than an arrow into my brain. It was more like mm. feeling it coming in from different sides of me. Wow. And in India, there's a real tradition of storytelling. It's only a good story if it's meaningful to somebody no matter where they're at. Like mm. they could be someone who's very well-read or someone who's, um, you know, not well-read. Maybe they're 
a farmer who's never had school education. But a good story should be able to reach everybody on the level that they're at. Mm. And um, I felt that Kat Meyer was a teacher like that. When she speaks, I went to one of her talks about endocrine disease in the endocrine system Mm -hmm. and I was not a clinical practitioner I didn't have like much of a medical background I just didn't have that knowledge at all but I felt that her and it was considered like an advanced talk but somehow I wanted to go because the topic was compelling but I felt that I got so much from sitting in there alongside doctors and midwives and registered nurses and I was really compelled by her ability to reach um you know, a, a diverse audience. And I really do my best to, I mean, it's a very important aspect of, uh, to me of songwriting to be able to write something that's enduring and meaningful to different kinds of people. That's not like maybe something where there's words in it that are meaningful this year. That can be fun too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also fun to try to, to create a situation where, um, those meanings can have deeper and alternate meanings at the same time. Whoa, that is so cool. Oh my God, you're just like blowing my mind. I love the idea of like cloud knowledge instead of arrow knowledge coming in. And that like kind of, it seems like the divine feminine versus kind of like that masculine, like linear thought. I don't, I may, it doesn't maybe need to be masculine or feminine, but yeah, I just love that idea of, yeah, gathering those resources and telling a story in a way that could be shared and understood by anyone. That is really, that's good. Wow. Thank you. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about um, just your experiences with this last tour. So how did you decide to go on a tour? What was that like to see all different parts of America? Where did you go? Some of what I do is collect and save invites or interest if someone says, hey, we'd love it if you'd play a show here. I kind of put that aside and keep it on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And there had been some people that I wanted to see, old friends in the Deep South, in uh, New Orleans, and actually Lindsay in Boulder was someone who'd offered mm-hmm. a while back. She's an old friend at this mm-hmm. point. Um so I have like a laminated map of the U.S. that I sometimes look at and have like dry erase markers and I'll just kind of put little dots like here, 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 I'd like to go to these places and then just start to kind of form a loop. And if there's places I have never been to and don't know anyone there, I might ask other musician friends or just kind of look and see what venues are there, maybe put out a message to um, my mailing list and ask if anyone has any ideas. It's a very DIY process, but Mm. it's great. Um, I've learned to build in more days off than Mm -hmm. I used to. I used to just kind of fly through, and I I definitely covered lots of ground on this tour. It was, I think, 6,500 miles in five weeks, but I had nine days in Manitou Springs, Colorado with an old friend from New York who's running an artist retreat out there, (gasps) um, which is really wonderful. I want to know more about that. Wow. What is it called? What, I want to know more about uh, that. What is it called? The foundation is called Smokebrush, mm. and they do all kinds of amazing nonprofit things with animals and farming. And uh, They have an artist retreat on the farm. It's at a place oh. called Red Crags Estate. I oh, was there for wow. a bit. Um, so it's kind of part mission to see parts of the country I haven't seen to kind of better understand 
my birth country. Because yeah. I think it sort of helps me understand what I could write about, what needs mm. to be written about, or mm. just gives me a, more of an understanding than I feel like I get from the news, whatever. Yeah, I could see. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, my, social, my social web, my social community, getting to connect with people I see, you know, five years or so that are really important to me and check in with them mm. and bring the music to places that people are interested in having it come to or that maybe you know I think like I really wanted to play in Alabama I played a couple shows in Alabama I wanted to play in Mississippi I wasn't able to Mm -hmm. do that this time Mm -hmm. um just check in with some places that were totally off my beaten path and also um yeah not always places that touring touring musicians will stop yeah I played in smaller cities in Alabama I was in Auburn and um Florence that's so cool. I, I imagine that would be really good for, yeah, just learning to tell your stories in a way that relates and connects to all these different people, too, and just to kind of see the threads of what pulls us together and what keeps us separate as well. Yeah, and, and you know, selfishly, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I have my own fears about life and how to live it in this country mm-hmm. and um in this time and you know sometimes that can get overwhelming and I just see so many people making so many different kinds of situations work and they still have uh you know connection social connection they still put food on the table they still mm-hmm. have love in their lives so just seeing how people work out their lives is um selfishly a very interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. very interesting for me. yeah wow yeah are there any um, takeaways that you got from that for self-care? I, well, something I was noticing is there's, like, sometimes some people seem to have shame about having a lot, mm-hmm. and then some people have shame about not having enough, mm-hmm. but then some people don't have shame about either of those things. So mm-hmm. there's some people I notice just, you know, they have an abundance of space or uh, just different kinds of resources, and they are just happy to share it, happy to have it, happy to have it keep flowing. Um, so I think that's kind of, or, you know, people in super humble circumstances, they're like, hey, like, I'm welcoming you into my house with no qualms whatsoever. Like, just mm-hmm. come on in. Yeah. I think that's kind of the takeaway for me. It's like, just be where you're at and feel good about it. Feel confident that it's enough and that you have things to share that are valuable. I mean, for me, that could even be, gosh, I need to write more songs or something. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, you didn't right now. Like, just you have what you have. Go out on the road, and that's enough. Kind of yeah. Thing. How do you manage to take care of yourself when you're on the road or when you're at home? Like, any just ways of self-preservation oh. or making sure you're well-tended to? Well, on the road, a while back, I got into buying groceries rather than eating out. Mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's been really fun. Just like a learning a picnic style of eating where I have a little Ooh. cooler and a little box of, you know, sardines and canned soup or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stopping in a beautiful place on my long drives, stopping to have some lunch mm-hmm. and then driving. Or learning to uh, plan in advance and cook with friends when I get to where I'm going or 
ask like, hey, can we have dinner at your house? Can we cook something? Mm-hmm. Just like it's pretty grounding to have food with people. Yeah. Uh, I travel with a little like a travel yoga mat so I can stretch because the sitting in the car can get me all kinked up. Mm-hmm. I have like kind of like a exercise ball thing that I'll roll out on a little bit. But I also just try to get out and with my bare feet a little bit too, just mm-hmm. to see all the ground where I am or lay on the ground a lot helps. Yeah. Sometimes if I've covered a lot of ground, I can feel pretty ungrounded. So laying on the ground and a warm drink can usually be nice. Like, mm. you know, that's where our herbal friends, I think, really come <laughs> in. I usually travel with a bag of nettles. Oh, nice. And some ashwagandha powder is super awesome for, I think it's like a road warrior herb. Mm-hmm. usually bring like a tincture my favorite on this trip actually was rose water and just mm-hmm. having it in a spray bottle and just spraying it on me just felt like roses are like total love to yeah. me they're just they smell like love and they just have that they carry the essence of love so when i felt like i was getting a little fried with the driving or whatever just a little rose water could really perk me up yeah <laughs> I love rose water. It's such a good one. I started carrying that in my car recently, too, because it's just, it's just so nice, like, if, you know, if you're getting frustrated with traffic or whatever, like, it's just a nice little, yeah. little like, refresher. <laughs> That's it. That's <laughs> like, it. It totally works. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um. Oh, I, one other thing I wanted to touch on is um, your, well, actually, so many things, but, okay, so your art you make these beautiful collage paintings about lyrics of your song. I was curious about your process of making those and you you have prints of them and I just I'm wondering like do you ever exhibit your drawings anywhere cuz they're beautiful. They're so like you're amazing. How do you do it? Thank you. Um I haven't had an art exhibit. Well, it kind of did in Manitou Springs but I wasn't there. It was like 10 years ago. Uh, my friend Don Godey, who runs Smokebush and the, the retreat that I went to, he, I kind of like made a bunch of drawings a long time ago and he just kind of like gave them to him because I didn't want to keep carrying them around and mm-hmm. he made an exhibit where he lived. So I actually wasn't there for it, but I think it happened. <laughs> um, but other than that, I haven't exhibited. But the, the prints that you talked about um, are from a really uh, project that I've mismanaged pretty poorly. <laughs> join your CSA, your Song of the Week CSA? Is that something that is, like, actively 
ongoing? Because I love the idea of that, too. I am trying to wrap up that particular project, and then I may enter the whole Patreon world. I'm looking at that next. Oh, yes. Because it's really dependent on, you know, work by work rather than um, a time frame. So, yeah. That would be, I could see that. But the songs that I'm putting out on the current project are bound to wind up on the next album. Yeah. And you've heard some of them in the show. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I feel so lucky for that. Do you have any it was shows? It a really lovely experience. I, I felt really grateful to Lindsay for hosting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was, okay, one last question. I just, I was curious, like, how do you just, like, magically enchant a whole room full of people? Like, everyone was just spellbound. Like, everyone was just, like, you started singing and everyone fell silent and was just like, what is happening? <laughs> I've done a lot of like printmaking and painting as well, but right now it's I'm mostly doing watercolors and ceramics, just simple vessels, cups and bowls and watering cans and planters and stuff. And yeah, just working as an herbalist. So it's like a slow but sweet unfolding path. I never had expected to fall into herbalism, but it's yeah, it's really changed my life connecting with the plants yeah do you find that the different things that you spend your time with like the painting and the pottery and the herbalism do they inform each other definitely yeah I feel like they definitely inform each other and there's like just this kind of constant circling around like it's like a loop like I'll you know I'll leave off watercolor for a couple years and then I always come back to it or I will leave off ceramics for a couple years but I come back to it and the same with music like it's I'm not always consistent with all of the things like I think that's something I struggle with is that consistency and really tuning into one thing but I I just love all the different friends (laughs) and activities I've been drawn to and so I kind of cycle through them and at different times of my life that seems natural yeah the consistency thing sometimes i wonder about that with creativity yeah the way that it wants to take form like sometimes it wants to take form as one thing sometimes it wants to take form something else yeah thanks so much for your time oh my gosh thank you diane it was such a treat to just hear your perspective and to yeah, just tune into your wisdom. I feel like you have such an amazing way of 
being in the world and it's so inspiring and I just yeah I love hearing your songs and seeing all the work that you're doing so I'm uh, I'm just excited for more people to hear your work too thanks I think cross-pollination until everything gets around so <laughs> yeah yeah so true. Mm, I love that <laughs> good well thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute honor and a treat thanks Sarah Marie yeah it was, it was fun putting some ideas in the words <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you I look forward to um, chatting with you again at some point and hopefully you come back okay. to Boulder If keep me on your mailing list yeah I'd love to <laughs> okay. okay thank you yeah thank you take care bye Sarah Marie bye bye Thank you again for dropping into Time in the Studio. Please check out Diane Cluck's work on Spotify, Instagram, and through her website, Diane Cluck. D-I-A-N-E-C-L-U-C-K. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can connect with me on Instagram at Time in the Studio. Love and light to you all. May our efforts benefit all beings. Please vote.